freedom. Freedom is at the core of universal human values. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, freedom of association. Freedom in where to live and the freedoms to strike, to demonstrate, and to protest, among others, are the forms that freedom takes. Without freedom, China will always remain far from civilized ideals. That is the thought of the day at thisiscommonsense.org for June 4th, 2022, which is a day that uh, is celebrated or lives in infamy. It's about the Tiananmen Square. And what is that event exactly? Well, let's return to the pages of thisiscommonsense.org for June 4th, 2022. What do we find there? We find Tank Man Thanks. June 4th marks the 1989 Chinese government crackdown on peaceful protesters in Tiananmen Square. Tanks entered the square and soldiers opened fire on citizens outside the square. They are estimated to have killed thousands. And as Paul Jacob is on the road driving home from Michigan, we're not going to record our usual weekend podcast because he just simply has no time. He has to stay awake and on the road. He can't take time to make a podcast. So I'm sitting here with a cat on my lap. I wonder if you can hear her purr. And frogs outside my window, I wonder if you can hear them croaking in some sort of weird chorus. And Paul's driving. I'm in the much more enviable position, and I'm going to try to cobble together a podcast for you. And the main features of this podcast are going to be three videos Paul made a few years ago regarding Hong Kong. So the podcast will look better as a video than it will sound, but these are important elements of what's going on with the China problem, you might say, the China-Nazi problem, according to Paul. So let's go to our first video audio of Paul explaining what it was like to be in Hong Kong as the Chinese government cracked down. This is from 2019. All over Hong Kong, you see the graffiti, Chinazi, meaning that totalitarian communist government isn't really a whole lot different than a totalitarian Nazi government. They do precisely the same things. It is just the, the, uh, the fear mixed with hope uh, that somehow the fear won't, won't be realized uh, is all over this march. At this point, I've, uh, I've seen that it's too late. I better get back to the airport uh, because I have to fly out. And so I begin to walk back past the marchers. Um, and uh, coming up here, you'll see a Taiwanese flag. And of course, uh, Taiwan, the island nation, uh, what, 100 miles or so, or several hundred miles off the coast of mainland China, uh, certainly realizes they could be next. I just wish, uh, there's the Taiwanese flag, uh, I just wish the rest of the world realized that uh, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, and uh, they're not the only ones who could be next. Uh, and this, uh, uh, this line 
Uh, I certainly didn't see the front of it, and uh, I walked back for some time uh, and uh, to see the end of it. Lots of American flags hope that we could do something. Not sure that we can, of course, but there's a lot of hope that somebody will come to their aid. And here, all of a sudden, I come to this place where the, the march ends and there's a wide open space, uh, uh, lots of uh, police in riot gear, and then all of a sudden I, I start to see and hear the uh, tear gas canisters. Uh, caught a whiff of it, uh, more than a whiff. All, all of a sudden I was surrounded by, by uh, the smoke and got out of it, and people were very uh, kind to come tell me to breathe. And, uh, and luckily I had a bottle of water so I could pour that water into my eyes to, to relieve the pain from the tear gas. These signs are uh, everywhere, of course, commemorating uh, what happened 30 years ago with Tiananmen Square, uh, memorializing the people who were killed here, uh, killed there. And, and here is a sign uh, celebrating the 70th anniversary of the uh, Chinese Communist uh, uh, Party and their, their uh, 70 years of rule in China. And um, the march stops here. There, uh, this, this gentleman uh, is seen, cheers go up. Uh, boy, it was, uh, you, you, just, you just get a spark when you see him up there. And uh, he had been up there a few minutes before, which is why people had stopped, and uh, which is why I was trying to film to see if he was gonna come back. And he comes back, he's got a, a couple compatriots there, and, um, and of course they're scratching out the 70th uh, anniversary stuff. And here he writes, anti-Chinazi. One of their chants is five demands, not one less and people are aware of the extradition bill that finally they withdrew, which would have allowed people who were accused of a crime to be dragged over to the injustice system uh, in mainland China. But their other demands are important too. They want a commission to look into police brutality. Well, it should. They want a retraction because the government accused them of being rioters when they were doing completely peaceful protests at the beginning of these 18 weeks. They want amnesty for protesters who have been arrested, leave no person on the uh, protest field. And then they want universal suffrage, the ability to elect their own leaders in real, free, fair elections, freedom and democracy. It's not too much to ask. second presentation here is at a press conference where Paul explains what he was doing in Hong Kong. Democracy International arranged a meeting between the attendees of the Global Forum on Direct Democracy and a few Hong Kong and Taiwanese activists who have friends and family in Hong Kong. I was in Hong Kong last weekend and just went to, to march to do whatever, to just be there. And... Uh, there didn't seem to be any provocation, and they began shooting uh, tear gas. Um, and 
you know, so it's, it's and, and I've watched CNN on the TV here, and the way they report seems to be very, almost pro-Beijing. And, uh, uh, and I think the world oftentimes is hearing that, oh, the protesters did this or that, but what I could see was police behaving badly and protesters not behaving badly. And, you know, obviously I only saw a small part, um, but, you know, I, I think it is important that people know uh, some of the different things that are going on. This new rule that, uh, this emergency law that says, you know, you can be arrested if you wear a mask, is there any sense that enough people maybe will continue to protest and wear masks that they cannot enforce that? Or what what impact do you think that will have? About the mask. Um, as I know, the, every shop or every shop in Hong Kong which sells the mask has been banned and the boss was bit, the, the both were being arrested. Yeah, so we we know the news, and we also know Hong Kong government has been um, they they started law that Taiwanese can send the the sources with what is what is help, help, helping to to Hong Kongers. So um, now it's very dangerous. We still will send our sources. Of the masks, like the gloves or or any helmets, to them. But we have to we have to um, we have to abandon the risks that the sources may be taken by the police and may be used to them. But even even the um, even the things has been like this I will still send the source that may they may need because even I send 10 maybe one will be on the protesters hand safely and also like according to the press con this afternoon even though uh, we got approval from the from the police there's a um, uh, uh, approved the march or protest. We cannot wear masks. If we, we if we wear masks and arrested by police, we can be put to jail for maximum one year. That's very very ridiculous. Even though we we you know uh, protest or march very peacefully. So you've been in Hong Kong like uh, one week before. I'm I'm not sure if you're going to any shopping mall. There's a lot of um, Hong Kongers, they gather in the shopping mall because there's very danger outside on the street. So they gather in the shopping mall and they start singing the, the song of Hong Kong. So, you see, even though we, you know, after 12 o'clock is tomorrow, even though we are, you know, staying in the shopping mall and with certain number of people, and we sing a song or we, we just show our slogan, we, with a mask, we could be arrested and put to jail. It's very ridiculous. It's like, um, I think the government doing that is, they don't want any, any Hong Kongers going out.
to say anything. They want to keep us, you know, just stay at home and be quiet. But why we have to be quiet if we just fight for what belongs to us? Yes. If in uh, Germany and the United States and Australia and India and other countries, people started to protest at Chinese embassies or say, I'm, I'm not going to buy any more Qingdao beer or <laughs> things like that, um, would that make a difference? That may change. That may change because I know um, on the world, everywhere is started the activity to anti the products from China and I have saw the result that is the the economy situation of China has been has been worse and worse and, and I think that is the that is a peaceful way and also can achieve our purpose. May it may be slow but you can see that is effective. Yes. For the long time. I think that um, <coughs> this law is very different. Uh, I think that is uh, let our freedom to be far away, more, more far away. Yeah. So uh, I think they didn't want to uh, say something, say something to their criticism. They just say and. But their act is very different. Yeah, they they did the bad things. Yeah, so I think uh, we need to separate. That we need to spread. So spread. Sample, yeah, spread. spread this message to uh, everywhere. Yeah, that uh, China is doing some very bad things now, and they settle the. Very uh, bad rule now. They are pushing a law that may um, that must press people's people um, people's rights and their freedom to shut them down and make them cannot spread the voice anymore. And like you know, the situation in Xinjiang, I uh, since since seven years seven years yeah. Uh, a, um, a violence event happened in Beijing is about the Han, Han people and Xinjiang people. Since then, Xinjiang people has been pressed very much and now we can see everywhere has a camp. They, they prison Xinjiang people and educate, educate them, but they are, they are doing nothing wrong why they have to be educated and they just have the different. Um, yeah, they just have the different faith and the different God, and so what is the difference? I can see they they just live in China, a big province, but they have to be, um, what what to say? Mm. What what they deserve to have is different from the other Chinese. Yeah. 
you said that you are in contact with your with the families and friends in Hong Kong. Do you know what they will do tomorrow and the next days? Do you think the protests will go on? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. so they will not stop. They will not stop. Because like this anti-mask law, there's only two cities in China has passed this law. One is Xinjiang and the second one is Hong Kong. Hmm. If we stay at home tomorrow and maybe the couple of days, who knows? Maybe next month yeah. we'll we'll be sent to the camp and take the re the so-called re-education. So there's no. So there's there's no way we, we stay yeah. home and, and be quiet because there's no second chance for us to fight for freedom. And in October of 2019, Paul gave a overview of the Hong Kong-Taiwan situation. The one thing that did not suffer at all from traveling halfway across the world was that Starbucks was everywhere. In Hong Kong, Starbucks was directly across the street from my hotel. I stumbled upon that because I like to look at where I'm going and I'll get on Google Maps and take a peek and then just turning it a little bit, all of a sudden there's a Starbucks there. Starbucks uh, was, I think, maybe a block from my second hotel in Taipei. Uh, there was a Starbucks around the corner from my hotel in Taichung. Uh, so it, uh, and then back in Taipei, the next time there was a Starbucks just down the street, you know, a block. So, uh, and, and all kinds of other places too. And uh, I, I got to eat some food and drink some things that weren't Starbucks, but, but it is interesting how uh, that company and 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven was everywhere in Taiwan. And someone told me, I hadn't bothered to Google it, uh, but someone told me that 7-Eleven, uh, which is, I thought was an American company, is a Taiwanese company. I don't know whether it is or not, but boy, they were everywhere absolutely ubiquitous in Taiwan. And I understand that Taiwan has the highest per capita rate of convenience stores. Um, so very, very convenient place. And you neat. Had, you had an experience at your local Starbucks when you got back though, correct? Yes. You know, one of the things we've talked about numerous times is the, the fact that governments don't do so well at policing other governments and standing up for things. And, and I think we found this week in a couple of different commentaries. We, you know, I had the commentary about uh, uh, stand by your tweet um, as the general manager for the Houston Rockets tweeted, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. And then, you know, got some pressure from the Chinese uh, totalitarians uh, and, and, through their economic power, through the NBA, all of a sudden he, he deletes his tweet. So he didn't exactly stand with Hong Kong. And of course, I don't know that we can trust uh, big corporations who obviously want to make money and who may not have any, uh, any political conscience or, or uh, respect for human rights or, or desire to, to pull back even in the slightest from their economic pursuits of the moment. Uh, to look at the long term and freedom. But the beautiful thing is people do care and people all over the world care. And I got a, uh, I got a little bit of that, uh, a feel for that when I got back because I did a couple commentaries and I, I go to a local Starbucks and, 
And uh, one of the guys there uh, is a friend on Facebook and reads my commentaries. And I'm placing my order, and he tells me he has already deleted his Blizzard account. And uh, Blizzard Entertainment uh, uh, is a gaming site, and they kicked one of their uh, gamers uh, off for a year. They, they took away his winnings. Uh, Blitzchung, or Blitzchang, uh, uh, who is, uh, you know, had, was in this tournament and, and uh, did very, very well. But after the tournament uh, game was over, he, in an interview, says, uh, liberate Hong Kong. And, and, and it was kind of a funny thing because he had he wore a gas mask and took his gas mask off to say liberate Hong Kong. But he lives in Hong Kong. And he felt like, uh, as he told reporters, you know, this is my life. I've got to do something. I've got to stand with what's right. And uh, it was very refreshing and even more refreshing that the young man at Starbucks uh, didn't need much prompting to say, if they're going to punish someone who stands up for freedom, I'm deleting my account. And uh, I, I think, you know, we have talked about in different commentaries and videos, uh, some of the rush in the United States to, you know, we're gonna boycott this person and we're gonna shame this person and we're gonna attack this person. Uh, for things that seem to me to be probably not worth uh, having that level of scorched earth uh, uh, attitude and, and always drawing lines and, you know, confronting everybody constantly about every breath they take. But uh, as we posted on, on Saturday, a number of videos about China, uh, the history of communist China, and probably now, even though they're run by the Chinese Communist Party, uh, the CCP, which you'll see on signs sometimes in Hong Kong, uh, they may not really be very communist. They are, however, totalitarian. And the level of, of surveillance in uh, China, the level of, of uh, oppression, against the Uyghurs. Uh, there's estimates that a million people are in concentration camps um, and, and camps that deserve to be called concentration camps in the sense that um, these are political prisoners uh, who, are, who are being, you know, re-educated. It's absolutely horrifying. And I think that our, our comp you know, American companies, American corporations, multinational corporations, politicians, our government, they're not going to do much uh, at the end of the day. They cannot be trusted to hold the line and do what's right against a totalitarian power that's, that's ready to, to take away the freedom of the people in Hong Kong, that's already taken away the freedom of uh, 1.3 billion Chinese. Uh, it's going to require you and I and our listeners and, and real people out there to say, I care enough to find ways uh, and to take advantage of obvious ways to hit back and say, we don't want our world to be run by totalitarians. We don't want to live in a nightmare 
uh, dystopia that makes, you know, Orwell's 1984 look like a picnic. Um, and, and I'm, I'm buoyed by the fact that I think people will step up and do that. But I think that, that those of us who care about freedom, we have to find more and more ways to connect with people all over the world, not just in America, but all over the world as individuals not as Americans and Chinese and Taiwanese and Germans and French people, but as individuals. And we need to use our economic might, which is uh, a lot. Uh, we, need to, we need to figure out how to use that to effectively demand a freer uh, society uh, in the U.S., worldwide. Um, let's, let's bring some of our strength to bear and uh, and it all came home to me, uh, you know, waiting for my drink at Starbucks and realizing that the young man uh, who's running the register uh, cares enough to have already taken some important action. It it also was nice to see in a couple of games in the U.S. You know, the the Chinese Basketball Association sent a couple teams to the U.S. to play some games. We sent some teams to China. This is a wonderful thing, except that if nobody can have any free speech, it kind of takes away all the fun. But in, the, in uh, uh, both Washington and Philadelphia, where the games were played in the U.S., there were uh, efforts in the stands, people uh, chanting, you know, free Hong Kong, people wearing T-shirts, holding up signs. Uh, and, you know, it was the kind of thing that I think put – uh, the NBA on notice that they may worry about China and whether China is going to foot the bill for certain things they want done, but they better worry about their, their bread and butter uh, original fan base because we are not interested in having uh, totalitarian China push us around. So those are three videos taken from 2019 about the China problem, the China-Nazi problem as Paul would probably prefer to call it. On May 30th, on thisiscommonsense.org, Paul wrote about the recent shooting. The piece was not saving lives. And uh, it begins, virtue signaling won't stop a mass shooter, nor will scoring political points. In this piece, Paul reiterates some of what he was talking about on the last podcast. The big blurb from the piece that you can find on the PDF runs like this. There is a social, emotional, spiritual element that I think we totally discard when all we talk about is what a bunch of corrupt folks in Washington must do to solve our problems. On Tuesday, May 31st, Paul wrote, Spree Shooter Shot Dead. This is not about the Texas shooting. It begins, We need to be reminded every now and then that shooting rampages can often be stopped as soon as they start. If only a good guy with a gun is on site and willing to use it, or good gal. Dennis Butler, a 37-year-old with an extensive criminal history, recently targeted the attendees of a party in Charleston, West Virginia. The quote from the PDF, which you can find on the website, at thisiscommonsense.org, reads, Butler is dead, shot multiple times by the woman with the gun. Police haven't reported her name, and Paul talks a little about that. On Wednesday, June 1st, Paul wrote, Do more than baby steps. 
Here the subject is the infamous baby formula shortage. It begins, major disruptions such as pandemic policy in China and the Russian invasion of Ukraine obviously crimp trade and supply chains. But given such impacts, should governments here in the United States be making things better or making things worse? Well, that's a rhetorical question, and Paul has more to say, which you can read at thisiscommonsense.org. The blurb on the PDF runs, you would think then that the first thing to do would be to remove governmental barriers to production and imports. On Thursday, June 2nd, Paul wrote The Woke Mob's Capitalism. He begins, a prominent rating system has gone woke. And then quoting Elon Musk, who tweeted a few weeks ago, Exxon is rated top 10 in world for environment, social, and governance, ESG, by S&P 500. While Tesla, the billionaire's high-end electric car company, didn't make the list. ESG is a scam, says Musk. It has been weaponized by phony social justice warriors. We could quibble. Is phony the right word? Social justice has always been slippery. It's a mirage, explained Hayek. Really just a stocking horse for power. What Musk is objecting to, though, is worth thinking about, and Paul goes on. Uh, there's a bit of history there, as the blurb in the PDF shows. Laissez-faire grew out of economists' objections to the grinding inefficiency and over-politicization of business. Adam Smith, back in 1776, called the pre-liberal, insider-based trade system mercantilism. And he concludes his piece by saying, the leftist mob now pushes a neo-neo-mercantilism, mobocracy capitalism. Finally, for Friday, grading on a skewed curve, June 3rd, 2022. This is about woke grading systems in schools, particularly one school in the Chicago area. And the call-out in the uh, blurb on the PDF goes, grades, after all, are there to serve as feedback, signaling successes and failures in learning, rewarding for excellence, and warning for error. So that was the week at thisiscommonsense.org. Paul's on the road. Next week, I think things will be back to normal. Let's hope so. My name is Timothy Verkula. This is the end of the podcast, This Week in Common Sense. Catch us on Rumble, sometimes on YouTube, on SoundCloud, and with your podcatcher. But always go to thisiscommonsense.org. Oh, and by the way, the quote that I began this podcast was from Liu Xiaobao.